good afternoon. Just wanted to take a minute to um, share a couple of thoughts on, you know, the current war between Israel and uh, Hamas. Uh, before I do, though, I was remembering that I read a comment uh, in our YouTube channel uh, from Knit Together by Jesus, which, by the way, that name is most excellent. That is a great, great name. Um, but mentioning uh, surprise over uh, my not having mentioned in the previous post about America, uh, if we're mentioned Bible prophecy at all, in Ezekiel 38 potentially, uh, why we're on the sidelines during that conflict that is Israel's uh, superpower uh, partner in democracy and such, why would we not get involved in that conflict? Why would we uh, stay on the sidelines along with the rest of Tarshish and our young lions and uh, Sheba and Dedan? Um, and I didn't mention that uh, maybe one of the reasons why the ra reasons why is because maybe the rapture happened. And uh, it left America in a very different kind of condition where it's not able to necessarily get involved. Well, I think that's absolutely a possibility. Thanks for bringing that up. And I, I certainly would agree that that is a possibility. And I would even hope that that would be the reason that there are just so many believers that are snatched away when the Lord comes. That, uh, that it just truly dramatically affects the way that America is able to function on the world stage. It would be nice to think that there are that many believers uh, who are snatched away as the bride of Christ. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I'm hopeful, um, and uh, maybe that'll be the case. But you're absolutely right. That could very well be uh, an explanation for it as well. Um, I do, uh, uh, just to reiterate something, I, um, I, I know I mentioned, maybe not in that post, but I, I think I touched on, if I recall correctly, in our prophecy update on Sunday morning a couple of Sundays ago. Um, I do think that the rapture, in my view, would likely happen prior to the Ezekiel 38 and 39 scenario unfolding. Uh, the Bible does not explicitly say that that will be the case, so I'm not going to be super dogmatic about that. Uh, but I do think it makes some sense because uh, in I think Ezekiel 38 and 39 takes place prior to Daniel's 70th week. It's hard to know exactly how far before it takes place, but I think it is prior, and as I mention often, I think it's a, a predecessor, 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 uh, predecessor to Daniel's 70th week. Daniel's 70th week is set aside for Israel, where God is working on behalf of Israel very dramatically, very clearly, and distinctly from the church. I think the church has gone from that scenario prior to that scenario, and because of the way that God is working on behalf of Israel, even prior to Daniel's 70th week, in Ezekiel 38 and 39, I tend to think that the rapture will happen prior to that as well, because it does seem like God has again turned his attention to Israel. Now we know Daniel's 70th week is set aside for, uh, you know, like Daniel was told, for your people in your holy city, but that doesn't necessarily mean that God may not be working on behalf of Israel prior to that too. We just know that that uh, 70th week, like the previous 69, really has Israel as its centerpiece and focus. So anyway, just some thoughts on that. Uh, again, uh, knit together by Jesus. Thank you for that. That is absolutely a possibility and one that uh, I think we should all be hoping for. But now, as far as uh, the, the uh, war between Israel and Hamas, obviously now we're past the two-week mark. We're on day 18, I think, today. And, uh, and something of note that I just wanted to mention, I posted on our Telegram channel, on Parsons Pad podcast, if you want to uh, follow on on Telegram, we post a lot of articles that are pertinent to uh, you know just in general scripture references, but you know last days related items, war in the Middle East related items, things like that. And so if you decide you want to follow there, you can you know, this this article is there, you can read it. But it is uh, 
a clip of, uh, of uh, King Abdullah of Jordan uh, speaking out against the atrocities that have taken place in the Middle East. And while there is a slight veiled reference to Hamas possibly uh, in the, at the outset of, the, uh, of his uh, statement, it is very clear that he turns his attention to Israel and her quote-unquote atrocities uh, in the region. But there's very clearly a tiptoeing around the uh, horrific, overt, deliberate, intentional atrocities that Hamas began this war with. Um, and I think that there's reasons for that. I think that blood runs thicker than uh, water and certainly even money when it comes to uh, Middle Eastern politics. And I think that uh, whereas, you know, the Abraham Accords brought a certain measure of peace on some quarters between Israel and some of her Arab neighbors, when, the, when it comes right down to it and, and the wars begin to take place, it is very, very unlikely that you will see Arab nations actively taking the side of Israel in that conflict. As a matter of fact, in Ezekiel 38, which is a localized conflict in the Middle East, uh, does does show Israel on her own against these nations. And the best that Israel can expect, even from her allies directly, again, if we're in view there as the United States, or Saudi Arabia, which is not an ally per se, but less of a combatant, uh, would be a better way to think about it, um, are not really going to come to her aid in that, uh, Israel's aid in that conflict. So uh, getting back to the quote, or the, uh, uh, you know, some of this activity, Again, King Abdullah spoke to the uh, uh, to the gathering in Cairo, Egypt. Uh, they gathered together to discuss the, the war there. There is a, and of course this is no surprise to anybody, but there is there was a very, very quick sort of um, rallying around Israel because of the horrific nature of what happened to the civilian population as a result of the attack by Hamas. Hamas again being backed by Iran, Hezbollah, which is dipping its toe ever further into this war, um, being backed by Iran. There are reports that Netanyahu is starting to speak about um, blowing, uh, you know, just destroying uh, Iran if Hezbollah gets involved and if Iran, you know, gets further more overtly connected. Uh, I need to confirm some of that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things floating around. I'm, I'm, I'm tentative about reposting because I'm not entirely sure that they stack up or not, we're waiting to verify. But uh, but there is talk of that kind of thing, and of course that's that shouldn't be surprising because Iran, as a primary instigator of uh, of, uh, of assaults upon Israel, um, of course Israel is sort of with its back against the wall, having to respond in ways that allow it to not just survive the day, but maybe even set itself up to be um, free of this kind of this kind of attack and assault in, at a later date. You know, the, the, the discussions about destroying and dismantling Hamas, and now potentially Iran as well, Hezbollah being warned by uh, Israel about getting involved. Uh, of course, in, uh, in Syria, Israel once again um, recently struck Aleppo and Damascus, the airports there. So Israel has the very tentative um, precarious position of having to defend itself but having to be careful to some degree how it does it because it does not take a lot for the international community to come very very openly against Israel on the world stage. The condemnations are already uh, coming from lots of nations and of course the 
uh, the protesting in the streets, the pro-Hamas, uh, pro-Palestinian, anti-Israel, uh, you know, rallies and marches and protests and everything that is taking place on our own college campuses all over the place, uh, all over the world in, in, in major cities. It's going to become very, very difficult for the leaders of countries where these things are taking place, even though they may personally at least be giving lip service, if not overtly, uh, clearly uh, wanting to support Israel. It's going to become very difficult for those nations to remain on any level pro-Israel. I think they're going to eventually, uh, by virtue of the, uh, the demonically influenced vitriol against Israel, but also in terms of the ever-increasing Muslim populations in these countries, it is very, very possible that these nations will, uh, not just in terms of their rallies on the streets, but even maybe even the politics of these nations as they uh, try to conduct their day-to-day -day business, will become clearly and uh, very practically speaking uh, pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas, pro-Hezbollah. These are not, you know, um, these are not things that we should uh, expect to, you know, not to change as we make our way closer and closer to a deeper and deeper conflict. So I say all that just to make the point that it has become all the more important for the church to make sure it's on the right side of this. Let me reiterate as I, as I you know, commonly do, we're not saying as the church in support of Israel that Israel's hands are clean from, uh, from, from wrongdoing in terms of these relationships and these conflicts. I'm not saying that Israel is um, free from ever going too far and that kind of thing, and even committing something that you might classify as an atrocity. But there is no comparison to the kinds of things that Israel has done that could begin to look anything like the kinds of things that have been done against her. And especially uh, looking at this most recent war. Uh, whereas Hamas launched a surprise attack upon Israel's civilian population, Israel, to this day, has not gone completely on a ground assault, really has not even entered into the ground assault in Gaza, because they are constantly being restrained by her allies, and not only that, but even in the days leading up to what was supposed to be the beginning of that ground assault, there were hundreds of thousands of leaflets dropped there advising the Gazan citizens uh, to leave their areas and to go to the various other parts of the country so that they would not have to be there when Israel went in and started bombing and and uh, going into the, to that territory. You don't see that with Hamas. You don't see that with uh, any of those related groups when they come against Israel. Uh, and on top of that, Israel does not have a mandate, as does uh, Iran, Hezbollah, uh, Hamas, and other related groups that are sympathetic to this. A mandate not just to take the land from Israel, but to make Israel extinct. There's an expression that has been around for a long time, and you've probably heard it if you've been following this uh, for any length of time. But the quote basically goes like this. If uh, if the Palestinians laid down their weapons, and you could easily connect this with Hamas, with Hezbollah, if these groups and these peoples laid down their weapons, uh, there would be no more war. But if Israel lays down its, we its weapons, there would be no more Israel. And that is a reality, and, and I think that we might want to live in denial of that. We may want to think that that's an over-exaggeration. But if, if that's what you think, then you don't understand this conflict well enough. Uh, most of the commentators that, uh, that view this from a secular standpoint, and frankly, even uh, some from a religious standpoint, 
would acknowledge that there is a long-standing conflict between Israel and her Arab nation neighbors. That's obvious from history. Uh, the War for Independence, the Six-Day War, um, you know, the, the various conflicts that have taken place in the modern era. Uh, and there are those that would even go further and say, okay, well, this conflict really goes back to, um, you know, uh, Jacob and Esau, really, you know, um, this is a conflict that goes back to these brothers that have not really been at peace from the beginning. But I would suggest that even though there may be even that far of a recognition of what's going on here, there are very few that are making public commentary about this that really do understand uh, the most fundamental nature of this uh, of this conflict, and that is the fact that God has singularly chosen people of Israel as his own chosen, special, particular people. Both the people and the land itself, the, the parcel of land that is Israel, and, and actually uh, even larger territory than Israel currently is populated. Um, the land of Canaan is given to Israel, actually goes farther than Israel currently has populated. And so, but to think that Israel does not belong in the land, and to think that the people of Israel are not God's people, is to not understand biblical theology. And so it's certainly not Israelology. If the people in Israel are not his chosen people, then God's word has failed. Now that's not why we believe that, you know, if, like we don't say, okay, we have to believe they're God's chosen people because otherwise the word of God has failed. No, but it's true that the word of God has failed if they cease to have been his people. And there, and we've mentioned recently too, that there is such a thing as spiritual Israel, the, uh, the Israel of God by faith, the faith of Abraham and such. We don't set that aside. That's a very real thing. That's a very true, actual thing. However, that does not negate God's promises to his national, ethnic, chosen people, the actual physical descendants of Abraham, who are Israel. And so uh, we see this in Romans chapter 11. We see really the beginning of that whole section, Romans 9, where Paul's heart is broken over uh, his own people, his kinsmen, according to the flesh. That is Israel. And so people don't recognize that the conflict really is not just about an ancient fight between two tribes of, of Abraham, uh, two you know, sons of Abraham and such, but it's really much deeper than that. Certainly it goes through that conflict, but it goes much deeper than that. Uh, because Israel is the apple of God's eye, uh, Satan is particularly uh, desiring to destroy it. Satan can't get God, so he will go after what God loves and whom God loves. And that is why we see in Revelation uh, 12 that, that the Antichrist, who's empowered by Satan, seeks to flush Israel out into the wilderness that he might destroy her. That's why the nations come together in Armageddon against Israel. And ultimately, Israel is saved by her Messiah when he returns in the clouds in Revelation 19.11. Um, this is why throughout history, the assault upon Israel has been definitive and clear on the part of Satan. That's why... From the very beginning, um, Satan has been attacking uh, the people of God, and so, and this continues all the way through uh, biblical history. And so, when we understand that, we recognize that this battle is certainly a very physical one. There's bloodshed that takes place every day with this, but this conflict is much more deeply a spiritual one, one that Paul really addresses in regard to the church and spiritual warfare. When he talks about how our, our warfare is not against flesh and blood. Obviously, it is in one sense, literally, as Israel is at war. But really, the battle is behind that line. It's about the principalities and powers. It's a spiritual war behind the scenes. 
And this is an important thing for us to remember, uh, which is why I want to end with this thought, is that when the Bible tells us in Psalm 22, there's references in Psalm 125, I think 128 as well, other places where there is an encouragement, a call to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, to pray for God's people, uh, God tells Abraham that he will bless those that bless him and curse those who curse him. And of course, that's speaking of Abraham and by extension, his offspring, his, cho his, 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 his progeny after him, uh, the, the chosen people of God who once again are the apple of his eye. It is our role as believers in Christ Jesus, the Jewish Messiah who has grafted us into the vine uh, by faith. And so here we are as part of the family of God, but it is Israel that is the vine that we have been grafted into. And no, we're not called to become Israelites, to follow the dietary laws and honor the feast days. That's not the call God has put upon the New Testament believers that, that's been satisfied as we read about and we've been talked about a lot recently in places like Acts 15, Colossians 2, other places like this. But we are never to set aside God's chosen people and, and never forget that God is not finished with them. He will one day come to bat for them on their behalf in such dramatic fashion so as that the world and the nations may know that he is the Lord. And so we want to be on the right side of that. So be praying for the peace of Jerusalem and be praying for the salvation of Israel as well. Just because they are God's chosen ethnic national people of Israel does not mean that they are automatically born again believers in Messiah. They too have to come by faith, but a, but a, a third of them, a remnant of them will. And this, this, this is what we see when Paul says that Israel will be saved. It is in fact speaking of that remnant in that day that will one day come to look upon him whom they've pierced as he returns in the clouds and they will believe in him. They'll put their trust in him and hence they'll be saved. So be praying for them, their peace, their salvation. Uh, be praying for the body of Christ, those who are professing believers. Be praying for believers to rally around God's chosen people and not to reject them. Again, we don't support them because everything they do is right. It's not the case at all and we have to acknowledge that. However, uh, lest we make the mistake that took place in, uh, in earlier times, in, middle, in, in, uh, in the Middle Ages, and even in the Holocaust, where the church by and large was silent as God's chosen people uh, were, were systematically uh, sought after and destroyed. Um, let it never be so and let it never be said of us again that this happens, uh, uh, that we participate or even remain silent uh, in this, but rather instead to pray that God would have his hand upon them of protection but also that he would bring them salvation. So join me if you would. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your call to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, your chosen people, uh, the offspring of Abraham, who still have a place in your purpose and plans, from whom the Messiah came, and certainly all the nations of the earth are blessed in that. But one day you're gonna work on their behalf again, both in Ezekiel, but also even in, uh, uh, in, in Daniel's 70th week, when that last seven year period of time comes, we will see your hand at work uh, in, in, uh, in, the, in the midst of your people so that they will know that you're the Lord and that the nations who are coming against her will know that you are the Lord. Uh, Lord, there is so much that could be said about the way that you have designed your plans and purposes in eschatology, uh, centering even on, uh, on the people of Israel. So help us to be aware, to be mindful, and to be prayerful and uh, not to turn our backs on those who you still love and are faithful to, even in spite of their being in unbelief right now. And their nearly perpetual faithlessness throughout their uh, history, and even now as they've rejected their Messiah. We know that you're not finished with them, but rather instead, we will see many of them come to faith in these days. And one day, the nation will look upon those, upon him whom you've pierced, 
and they will mourn over him like one mourns over an only son, and they too will ultimately uh, come to faith and be saved. But Father, we thank you and praise you for all of your goodness and grace, your love and your mercy and compassion, uh, which is best exampled in your continual faithfulness to your people Israel. Father, we thank you for that. And we thank you that we can rest in your faithfulness because of how clearly you've shown it to those that have rejected you. But Father, again, we pray that they would come to you and come to you soon. And certainly come, Lord Jesus. Bring about all your plans and purposes that we might see and know and the nations might know that you are the Lord. Thank you, Father. We praise you and bless you for this. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.